What's going on, Greater Nation? Or should I say Gator Nation? Who knows? Anonymous for the same. We're great everywhere. It's your boy, Patrick Young, here with Patrick Young and the Rowdies. I'm the host, currently stationed across the Atlantic in Athens, Greece, bringing you all things Gator basketball. Thank you again for showing up. Thank you so much for your views. It's been a fun journey. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. So thankful for my team, the field of 68 Media Network making this possible, but we need you to continue to share, rate, review, get this thing out to the world so we can keep it going. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find us wherever. Just keep listening. Keep voicing your opinion. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Patrick Young, the number four. Anyways, without further ado, I'm ready to get into our next guest. He's been covering all the Florida Gators for the past 30 years. Great friend of mine. I can't wait for you to listen. It is an honor for me to introduce our next guest on the show. We share the same name, but he's uh, my elder, and he's been a Gator much longer than I can. I have been, but I have much love for my friend, Pat Dooley. Pat, how are you doing? How's the family? What's going on? Fill us in. I got to look behind me to see who you're introducing. You're, you're being way too nice to me. So, uh, no, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, everything's good. You know, it's a kind of a weird time right now because we're still in COVID. Now I'm retired from the newspaper. So it's just uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do and not leave the, the house. <laughs> yeah. Which is not a lot, I found out. What a, what a, what a strange year. You know, it, yeah. You know, how did it affect you? you? What was your mindset? Did you know that this was going to be your last year at the beginning of the year? That, uh, you know, you, did you step away from the Gainesville Sun after 30 years? No, you know, I would, I've been thinking about it because um, I turned 66 in November. Um, and that's, you know, as far as Social Security and stuff like that. And I've been thinking about it. I wasn't very happy with the way things were going, you know, and um, wasn't as much fun anymore but then I kind of had come to the decision of not doing it of sticking with it and plugging away and, and grinding it out uh, there was a trip to Starkville one of your favorite places I know oh yeah uh, <laughs> where I, you know I, I think we had a 6 a.m. flight out of out of that golden triangle um, airport and I said what what am I doing here why am I still doing this um, <laughs> And then the thing that happened really, though, was um, we got offered a buyout uh, that was very lucrative, and we were shocked by it, Robbie and I both, and we said, let's take it. Let's, let's get out of here. Um, so I was a little surprised they took mine, to be honest with you, with all the stuff I did for the paper that uh, I think that they need and that they aren't going to get. But um the good thing is I'm staying busy. I, in fact, I just wrote a back nine for the WRUF.com. I'm grading the Gators for WRUF.com. I've got a podcast going. I've got um, uh, some stories I'm writing as, as well for the UF Alumni Magazine. And also, of course, our weekly or daily show, The Tailgate on WRUF. So, you know, my wife won't let me not work. She said, all you're going to do is drink and play golf. And I'm like, that sounds pretty good, actually. I'm not going to lie. You, you just send me the invite, and I'll, I'll, I'll be there, <laughs> me, and your, me and your brother. We... <laughs> yeah, we but, can um, do that. Let's take, let's take it back to the beginning. When did you, like, when you were growing up, did you know that you would want to get into writing? Or, it, it, you know, what was your path of uh, getting into sports and writing? Well, it's really kind of weird um, because I went to junior college out of St. Augustine High at, at St. John's, which for some reason, and nobody's ever been able to explain to me this, this to me, is called the Vikings. Why would there be Vikings ever in the city of Palatka, Florida? I, I cannot imagine that. But um, so I went there and then it was like near the end of my uh, second year and I was Somebody said, hey, so you're going to go to Florida next year, I guess, huh? I said, I guess, yeah, I want to go see. I mean, we had been driving over, Robbie and myself, to watch practices. And we and they wouldn't let you into practice, so you'd watch it from the top row of the stadium, and you could see over. I mean, that's how devoted we were to, to Gator sports. 
so I went to Florida and then I was standing in line at, at the registrar and I said, hey, what's the easiest major? And somebody said journalism. I said, all right, I'll do that. But I mean, I had, there had been stuff like my, my mom always said she knew I'd be a writer because I would write cut, my own cut lines for pictures and stuff like that. Um, so I went, I went to journalism school. I was very lucky. I got, had some very good teachers and then um, got interested in it, started stringing, started writing for the Gainesville Sun. Uh, first story ever was in the St. Augustine record. And then uh, went to Fort Lauderdale for a year and then to Jacksonville for 10 and then Gainesville for 33. And now I'm unemployed. I feel like Will, Will Muschamp. I've got a great wife, two great kids, and I'm and people are paying me not to work. So, you said you were you were in Jacksonville for a bit. Ten years, yeah, I was. Oh man, you Times know, Union and the Journal. You see, I'm I'm a proudly representing my Jaguars for the people that are watching. You know, it's it's very small because I think us as Jaguars fans. I'm not sure if I'm when I say us. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised. Yeah, you know, we we claim. You know, this I don't have it. It's not very large on my shirt you know somebody would have to be close to be like oh is that a jaguar like <laughs> yes yes it is Why well do you, you don't want to get it too big patrick because <laughs> they're one in 11 so um... gosh man i don't you know shot Khan, love love the guy he's i think his record now as a as an owner is 41 and 101 or 41 and 102 something i think like it's 102 that. yeah 41 and 102 We'll 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 find it. Out. We might need to we might need to get Mark Brunel to come out of retirement and see if he can he <laughs> might even do better for us now at this point. Um, but uh, did you ever imagine that you would stay in Gainesville covering Florida the Florida Gators for so long? Was there ever a point where you're like, this is my because it seems in the way you're describing it is it, you kind of nonchalantly walk into it and you was there ever a point where you're like, man, I really really love covering the Gators and just doing this. And this is, this is what I, this is, this is my dream job. Well, I think what happened more than anything, Patrick, is that, um, you know, I came there thinking, okay, I'll do this for a while and then move on to the next thing. And uh, um, two things happened. The first thing was not good, which was they were investigating Norm Sloan and they ended up firing him. They fired, um, Randy Reese and they fired Galen Hall. They all got caught up in that investigation. So you're going a mile a minute trying to just just cover this. So we we had such a huge staff at the time uh, that we actually kind of put a spotlight on it. You know the way they, that movie is. Uh, um, and then Spurrier walks in the door, and you're and so you start following that, covering that, and and next thing you know, it's this huge story, and they're playing for national championships. And then Billy walks in the door. And they're playing for national championships, and I'm going to to final fours all left and right, and national championship games, great bowl games, and every game's huge. And next thing you know, I'm 66 years old. <laughs> it just, it just, they just kept going one after another. And then, even when you got to, um, you know, the urban years, obviously, um, and then. Um, you know, the, the bad years that they had there with Muschamp and McElwain, you were constantly trying to, to figure out what, who the next coach was going to be and stuff. And it just kind of, it just kind of kept going. And after a while I became very comfortable in it. And, um, but I think things changed, you know, the, the newspaper business changed and the, the, um, the people in it changed. It used to be, we'd go on the road and man, it would be a, a great time. We would, all go out and eat and party and everything and now I mean nobody I, people very few people go on the road and when they do go on the road they they go they're a lot younger so they go to a, a lot younger things <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure what those much younger things you're you might be referring to uh I don't think I need to know I <laughs> <laughs> need to know basis only so how yeah. how would you say it's uh the program is transformed for you, I guess to say, uh, you know, 33 years, decade by decade, uh, you know, some some large change. You know, Jeremy Foley being the AD for uh, 25 of those years. Uh, right. Um, I got a chance to interview him, which is pretty awesome. And I, I read one of your articles earlier that you said his breakdown his uh, of the hiring of Urban Meyer was one of your favorite moments. 
But, you know, tell us before we get into that, you know, tell us about how you've seen just the atmosphere of sports change as well as the atmosphere of Florida. I mean, now we're in a pandemic. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is an extreme outlier. But up until then, you know, what have you noticed? Well, I, I tell you, Patrick, it, it has been um, that is another part of it. I mean, there was a time when you would have access that was totally different than it is now. I remember the day Spurrier uh, resigned and, and um, I've, I broke the story. I'm very proud of that. That's, well, that's probably my biggest scoop of all time. And I immediately went over to the uh, UF offices and just walked into the coaches meeting and they were, all, I'm, you know, they were all sitting there watching it on ESPN and they were finding out they were fired <laughs> by watching ESPN. And, um, you know, so now you can't even get on that floor. I mean, there's like barbed wire up or, around there. Um, same with basketball. I mean, Mike, Mike is a great guy. I like him very much, but it was different with Billy. Billy was so, and, but it was different, a different world. You know, the internet wasn't as big a deal. You, you wanted to let people into practice. You didn't mind that they were there. In fact, you kind of liked it because you could uh, embarrass a player in front of, media guys, you know, and, and say, this is why we can't play you, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but now they're just, they know that's going up on the internet in five seconds. So they, they, they shut us out a lot. Obviously the big change this year with the pandemic is that everything's done on zoom calls and that's no fun at all. I mean, it's, it's just right. not, you don't get to know people. You don't get to know the players. I mean, Kyle Trask, um, we've gotten to know him a little, just a little bit last year. And now here he is in a Heisman possible year and all we get is Zoom calls with him. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely has changed. You know, Jeremy was one way, had one style. Scott Strickland has a little different style. And um, certainly Scott is putting a lot into uh, facilities. Uh, Jeremy believed in people more than anything. And that's, he, he felt like if you got the right person there, you could win. And in fact, somebody was, I was telling somebody this the other day that when Urban Meyer quit, <clears throat> the first time he quit, um, Florida ended up with the number one class in the country, recruiting class. And I'm like, you, you know, and that's what the facilities they had at the time. And I think that's when kind of when uh, Jeremy kind of said, look, we don't need all these, the whistles and bells. He, he never believed in bells and whistles. Well, Things have changed, and now it's at the point where you better have the bells and whistles. And and I think Scott sees that, and Scott's doing things differently. And I think Jeremy would have would have started doing things a little bit differently. But Jeremy did some great things. Jeremy built the indoor facility, the the Hawkins Center, which is a great uh, academic tool. Um, you know, he he you know the baseball stadium kind of started under his tutelage. So um, you know, he he it wasn't like he didn't do anything <laughs> right. over there. Well, I think uh, from interviewing uh, Mr. Foley and looking up, uh, you know, his much, his long tenure, 20, 24, 25 years AD, you know, I, I believe that he set the program up uh, in such a great way for this, almost as if, not to say he knew the pandemic was coming, but the university is in a much better place than a lot of the other universities uh, because of the way that he handled finances as well as, uh, Absolutely. Never, there never being like a negative balance. He always se it seemed as though because he cared so much about the people that, that he was hiring uh, that he, you know, talking to him, he's like, I realized that I can't do it all, that I want to be this, this athletic director that goes after everything, but I need to hire other winners around me as well. Because, you know, you can have all the bells and whistles and spend multi-millions, but if you don't have the right people inside, you know, what's all that worth? You, you, you know, you're going to have so many other issues that get in the way because, you know, we can we can name a million stories of people that had the, the worst facilities and make it to the Olympics, you know, right. because they've just have they have it inside. So the things that you can't teach, they have the heart, the drive, the, the will to win. But um, were you there when um, when uh, Coach Donovan, obviously you were there when Coach Donovan was hired. What was your first thoughts? Uh, because I know the job was seen as uh, undesirable at the time. You know, Rick Pitino had even told Billy Donovan mm -hmm. not to take the job because, you know, it was going to be a dumpster fire. 
Well, Billy loves to tell this story that he and I went to, we were going to have a get acquainted lunch and we went to Bennigan's, which no longer exists um, over there on Archer. So we go to Bennigan's and, and finally Billy says, you know, Duels, what do you think? What do you think can be done here at the University of Florida in basketball? And I said, you know, Mr. I, I knew everything. So I said, Billy, let me explain something to you. This can never be a basketball school. It's always going to be a football school, never a basketball school. So he likes to remind people that I said that to him. And then next thing you know, four years later, he's playing for the national championship. And then wins, wins two, your team goes, wins 30 games in a row. I mean, what, what Florida basketball has done. It's why I consider Billy to be the greatest coach in the University of Florida history. As, as great as Steve was, Urban won two national titles. Mouse Holloway's done unbelievable things as well. Um, you know, Roland Thornquist, you could go Tim Walton, all these people. But I think Billy's number one because he went to a place where you had a huge sport and no tradition, nothing. There was nothing there. I mean, they had had that one little pocket of success where they got to the final four. And then it took Danielle Marshall missing two free throws for them to get there. So um, they didn't have anything going really. And uh, for Billy to take that and turn that into a power uh, was just to me the most amazing thing uh, anybody's ever done, and that's uh, maybe anywhere. Yeah, that's coming off of uh, I believe this team was under some sanctions. Uh, they were before yeah. you got in there as well. So you know, no tradition, and you're coming from a program to a program that was just in in some trouble. And you know, the first two seasons were twelve wins, twelve wins. You know, that's uh, yeah, wasn't good. Yeah, great feat. It wasn't good. I remember uh, Joel Reinhardt starting for uh, the Gators back then. Great kid. Shouldn't have been starting at a, at a major basketball program. Uh, but then, they, you know, the, they, they bring in Jason Williams, and you think, okay, well, this guy's really something. I've never seen anything like it. He only lasts 20 games because he can't stay off the pipe. So they have to get, get off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets out, and then, um, but then they start to build, you know, with with uh, Dupe and Miller, Haslam, Brent Wright, Major Parker, all these guys. He starts to recruit real well, real well, and shows what kind of coach he is. And that was as much fun as I, I think, even more fun than the national championship team. That first team that went to Indianapolis for the Final Four, and you're you're just like, what? How did I get here? I mean, I can't believe I'm covering a Florida Final Four team. So um, going back to Billy's, Donovan's first class, some great players. Teddy Dupay, the first player he'd ever recruited uh, under his – then uh, also in that class was UD and uh, Mike Miller. Um, you know, I got a chance to interview Teddy Dupay last uh, last week before this. I'm not sure exactly when the show's going to air. We got to tell you, man, kid was he's a stud. He was a stud coming out of high school, just, I believe it's, it's almost as though because he was tiny, tinier guy, uh, unfortunately he grew up around basketball. It's, 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 it's as though from what he told me, he was always playing up, uh, you know, he's at this age, but he's always playing up a, a little bit above his age uh, and his size that he always had this, I've got to prove myself and that I'm the man. And mm -hmm. he butt heads a lot with Billy, he told me. Uh, he told me, <laughs> I think it was more of, uh, you know, because he had done things so much his way. Um, and I'm not saying he wasn't coached uh, coming out of high school, going to college. It was that he wanted to show Coach Donovan that, hey, you put the ball in my hands, I'm the man. Going back to Billy Donovan starting off, who were some guys that really stood out to you in those earlier years? You know, it's funny. Um, obviously, when they got Mike Miller, that was a huge deal. And that's when I think um, a lot of people started going, well, this guy must be cheating, you know, to get to get a player. A guy like that from South Dakota, he ain't coming to Florida. That's just not happening. Uh, but no, he was, they had built a relationship with him, John Pelfrey had, and, and they were able to get him. That was a huge one. And then, um, you know, Tay DePay, I went down 
to the game where he set the scoring record uh, down at Cape Coral. And uh, Chris Harry and I drove down and, and watched him play. And it was, it was like literally as soon as he got over the half-court line, he was taking the shot. <laughs> Yes. I mean, and, and it was unbelievable. You know who else was on that team that was really good was Ernest Graham. He was a really good player on that team as well. Um, and then, but then you had, what you had on that team were kind of the guys who wouldn't put up with any crap. And so they, because they wouldn't put up with any crap, you couldn't try to muscle the Gators. You couldn't try to do things to the the star players because they wouldn't allow it. And, and Major Parker was number one in that, you know, you 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 went for a guy's legs. He was going for yours next. You know, Brent Wright was a tough physical player. And then, of course, UD became that tough physical player. Uh, Billy and I used to have arguments about who the best player to ever play at Florida was. Um, now, this is before you got there because, you know, that, that would have totally changed the argument. But um, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. But, uh, and, and right now, I'm, I can make an argument for Bradley Beal. I don't think there's any question about that. But oh, at the yeah. time, the argument was he he believed Udonis Haslam was the best to ever play for Florida because he had four-year starter, uh, scored all those points. I, you know, I, I, I'm an old-time guy. I went with Neil Walk. I mean, Neil Walk was one rebound shy of averaging 20 a game as a junior. Um, but he didn't have the resume in the NCAA tournament because nobody got in the NCAA tournament back then. They took like 16 teams. Um, 20, 20, 20 rebounds? 20 rebounds a game. He was one rebound shy of it. If he'd gotten one more, he'd average 20. Think about that. How? <laughs> That's how, a how lot big, of rebounds. How, how big was he? What was he his was size? 6'10", and he was very, had very long arms. Okay. Um, and yeah, I remember a game where he played, and Maravich was playing for LSU. Wow. And um, I think Maravich had 52 that night, and Florida killed him. Because Maravich didn't care about winning. He only cared about getting his points. In fact, I think it was Gary Keller told me this one time that, that uh, you know, that Maravich said, hey, look, make a fake and I'll die for it, the fake, and just go around me and score. I want to get the ball back. <laughs> so it's a, it's a totally different uh, attitude there. So um, And that was before the three-point line, right? Yes, yeah. He, Man, the numbers if, he put if up. It was the three point line. He would he whoo Kareem. I think somebody would. went went back and and figured it out. They they looked at film and of every game and like the numbers he put up would have been impossible to catch. Nobody would ever have a chance of catching. But again, it's all he cared about were scoring yeah. points. He didn't care about Wasn't playing defense or getting rebounds, it's just scoring points. The the James Harden before we had a James Harden. That's right. That's but right. let's uh, you know, I think we got to give the fans what they want. Um, and even though this 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 podcast for me is about culminate a culmination of the Florida basketball culture, as well as the history, as well as showing our personalities, all the the bits and pieces of people that have been a part of it. Um, so uh, I think the people want to hear some more of the your your current opinions on the thing. You've had a, a chance to have a little three game sample size of this current yeah. team. Um, first off, first thing to get into, um, how would you compare this team? Unranked right now, correct? Or are we? Yeah. Unranked? And I think it's mo it's mostly unranked because of what happened last year when they were ranked so high, and everybody was so wrong about that team. Um, and I was one of them. I mean, when they got Carrie Blackshear, I remember, you know, my daughter, Kelsey, and she's such a big fan. I, we just, I just walked out into the living room. We high-fived and we walked back. We said, we didn't need to talk about it. We knew how big a deal that was. Right. Um, and, uh, and then the recruiting class they had, and they had Nemard back and uh, Keontae back. And it, but that team didn't connect. It played very slow because Nemhard plays slow and Blackshear plays slow. Um, of course, Blackshear runs. I still haven't figured it out exactly why. I, mean, I know I've been told it's because his father did. Runs on the ball of his right foot, which is really weird. But he wasn't fast. Nemhard wasn't fast, so they had to play slow, and they played through those two guys, and it didn't always work out. It's still no explanation for losing an 18-point lead to Kentucky. 
at home. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were a, game. they were a team that was at times was just really hard to watch. Um, but they still won enough games. They were going to the tournament. Uh, well, who knows what they could have done there. And it's a shame we never got to see it. This is a totally different team plays a lot faster pressing. Um, I don't know how good they are. And I don't even know that they're any better than last year's team because the sample size is so small and they haven't really played good teams. I mean, Stetson was awful the other day. Um, I, I felt bad for Donnie Jones because they, he's, it's going to take him a while to get that going. Uh, Boston College, so-so. Army actually was the best team I think they played. Army had a bunch of older guys and played real well. So, uh, look, but Trey Mann is, is doing the job at point guard. He's not a true point guard, but I, I think they can make that work. And then Stuart Appleby, of course, is, is kind of a true point guard. Made an unbelievable pass the other day. They got some big guys that will help them. Castleton's a little better than I thought he'd be uh, at 6'10". Um, you know, Daruji's been a little bit of a disappointment only because he can't make a shot. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're, they're, I think they're going to be fine. The, the league is good this year. The league's except good. For Kentucky, of course. <laughs> yeah. Because they're one and three right now. They're in last place in the SEC if you just go by record. That, that's- I got to tell you what, I haven't been happier in the, in the pandemic. Kentucky losing a few <laughs> for the, the fans that might be listening. I, I'm a pretty happy guy right now. <laughs> I yesterday I had some things I had to do and I, I said oh man I forgot to to see what is going on with this Kentucky Georgia Tech game and I flip it on and you know that you have that little bar across the bottom before before it goes away and I'm like just be close just be close just be close it wasn't close it was Georgia Tech was up 17 and I'm like holy crap you got to be kidding me I couldn't believe it so Again, this is another typical Calipari team, all new players trying to get to know each other. By March, they'll probably be pretty good. But uh, he's never been one and three before, and it's I am enjoying it immensely. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I remember um, going into my senior year, I believe, and Kentucky had um, a really good team coming back the next year, and they were talking about. Um, is it right that they're preseason this and that? And I'm like, guys, this is the same thing that happened last year, and they lost to Robert Morris in the NIT. Right. Like, it's, it's no one should pay attention to the preseason. Unless, you know, you got a group. You know, I'll say that my group was, was different because the only kind of foolproof, not say foolproof, where you know you can believe in what you're seeing um, is when you got a, a group of guys that have stuck together for a while mm-hmm. um, and they're coming in, you know, maybe they, like us, we made three straight elite eights and, you know, we're highly motivated that we all came back to to make sure that the job was done. Uh, was there, did you see? Yeah, you didn't expect to win 30 in a row. Come on. No, we didn't. <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, that's just a testament to Coach Donovan. Now, when I had him on uh, the first episode, you know, one thing that I will always take with me from Coach Donovan was he was always talking about staying in the moment, living in the now, focusing on what we're doing, not tomorrow, not yesterday, even if yesterday, even if you win, never be too high, never be too low off of a loss. Just focus on doing your job. Belichick mindset, do your job, move on to the next game. Because we, none of us were ever like, oh, gosh, we can go undefeated or we can, we can win. Like, mm-hmm. we were focused on – Holding teams to 40 points <laughs> a game. Um, John Pelfrey had an awesome system where we were getting letter grades as a team and individuals on doing our jobs in every scenario and situations. So we were all – and it's predicated – your score is predicated on how well a team defense, how well you do your job, how well you set your screens, you roll, you communicate. So we all wanted to get good grades, and we wanted to just – we had fun. We had so much fun together. Uh, was there a time in that, I guess, my four years or in my, my last three years, you, you could say that you saw a shift in us that uh, the team was going to be special or that we would just be like, ah, you know, close, but no cigar? Well, the, that, you mentioned the, the getting to the three Elite Eights, and they were all kind of done differently. You know, like Bradley Beal kind of carried you guys once he got into the postseason of that uh, one in um, – well, and again, you got a break 
when you got to play uh, a hungover Norfolk State team in the in the second round. Yeah, because <laughs> they had partied after beating Missouri for two days. Right. <laughs> um, but you 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 dominated Virginia, dominated them. Uh, went out to um, uh, Phoenix, which is uh, which was a fun trip. At Marquette. And, uh, Marquette pretty handily, and we're up ten on Louisville. Uh, but they, that guy Bahannon, I think his name was. Yeah, and Russ Smith, good guy. Uh, they were just, they were a load, man. They were Russ Smith in that, in that as good as pick and roll defense we were. That is the way he, he, he moved like Russell Westbrook in a sense with just his speed, craftiness, and ability to, you know, I had never, he, he almost in, a, in a sense like an Irving Walker. Um, mm-hmm. with his speed and you, because you're so small, you have to use that craftiness to, to get around a guy like me, Scotty Wilbekin and I, cause I'll take Scotty Wilbekin and I with anybody in the pick and roll. Uh, I, I think our defense and communication and our ability to synchronize, uh, was done so well, but this guy, Russ Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, was different cat, different. Man. he was a different cat. And then, uh, but you know, when, when when you guys started winning a bunch of games there in a row and you're kind of like, well, you know, they're going to eventually lose a game, you know, you, you're not going to go 30 and 0, but then I think the Auburn game was the one where you were down and uh, Frazier hit the big three and, and you guys uh, found a way to win. Uh, but then to win that last game was against Kentucky, right at home. Yes. We beat them by and, 20, and- 26. I think yeah, and then you're going. This team could do something in the postseason, and that was one of my favorite moments when you guys walked off the court for the last time together, um, and it meant that it, it just said how much it meant to all you guys, um, and and that's when you really had to you wanted to live in the moment, but you knew you had to refocus, right? Because then you go down to Orlando, and I think it was Albany was giving you hell. Purple in the first game. Yeah, 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 yeah. They 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 tried. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then was it Pitt in the second game, right? Albany then Pitt. Um, and Pitt was tough. UCLA. I remember Scotty. Scotty after the Pitt game didn't even go to the the handshake line. He was so tired. He sat. He said, "I just got to sit." He he had worked his tail off in that game. And then UCLA and then Dayton. And they had all the the fans there. Remember, they they took over Memphis that day. Right. Yeah, they did. They were crazy. So, uh, but I think by the time you guys got to the Final Four, uh, I think Scotty was worn out. I think you know, and I think that was part of the problem. But um, and, and again, they they had one of those special games where they couldn't miss. Yeah, yeah. Scotty was worn out. I think uh, Casey Prather. I think he he had gotten a little worn out as well. But you know, going back to that Auburn game. I remember that game like the back of my hand because uh, uh, we knew when you're number one, when you're on top, you have to expect you're getting everyone's best shot. doesn't matter. Last place in the league, sec- they're bringing their best. They're like, what do we have to lose? So Auburn comes out, guns blazing. The point guard's playing out of his mind. Just everyone's just, I think we're down by one at the half. But I remember going, going into that game, at the, I hurt my knee. In the preseason, in the in the pregame warmup, and uh, I had to go back into the athletic training room, and I'm with Duke, the athletic trainer. I'm like, Duke, man, I don't know what's going on, man. This is this is so crazy. All I, I just jumped, I jumped, and I like tweaked a little something in my my quad or my quad tendon, and uh, they put <laughs> like a huge glob of this atomic bomb uh, <laughs> stuff on my leg. So they, they just rubbed it on, and I can't even focus because my leg is on fire <laughs> from this stuff. I'm like, yo, my leg hurt. Like, it hurts so bad from this cream. But anyways, I think I had zero points and one rebound in that first half. And Coach Donovan's looking at me in halftime, and he's like, are you going to man up? Or are you going to play? Or do I need to find somebody else? And I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, grit my teeth. Just like I gotta, I just gotta, I just prayed. I said, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do this thing. And I just went out. I remember that uh I finished, I think the game was 17 and, and 10. I hit some two huge free throws after struggling uh during that season. And then Frazier's went when I hit that shot. The place is going yeah. crazy. It's so loud in there. Um 
Auburn goes to inbound the ball. He they throw it to the one point guard. He's not looking. The ball goes out of bounds. Yeah, and at that point, right, yeah. At that point, we have the game, and uh, and that was that's what that we're was, gonna miss though more than anything is is um, home or away. Even if it's your, I mean, there's nothing better than going on the road and beating somebody with their crowd going nuts. Yeah. Nothing better than winning in Lexington. And there's nothing better for other fans than coming in, into the, to the uh, exact tech arena and winning. Um, and, and you, you know, shutting the crowd. How many times have you seen it where somebody's come in here and won and they go over to the rowdies and they're telling them to be quiet and, you know, and ah, we got you and doing the chomp. I mean, it's a huge emotional thing. We're not going to have that anymore. We, we, the first game was the other, home game was the other night, and and it was just, ugh, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's the way it's been no, for football too. I feel I feel so you know my heart really broke broke for all the seniors that didn't get a chance to have the tournament last year. You know, right. even though they're our rivals, Florida State, and uh, you know Leonard Hamilton, he was one of the first guys. They might have won it. You know, they might. Yeah, they might have won it. Yeah, I got to say, Florida State has, uh, you know, these past few years, they've been one and done central. You know, they're, <laughs> they're competing with Kentucky with the amount of talent yep. that they're bringing in that's able to uh, go straight to the NBA. Yeah, he's done amazing. But, um, you know, um, please tell me. Uh, you, you can leave some names out if you want or if it's, you know, you can change it around. Tell us some a story that uh, you got you got back back tucked away in, in your mind from uh, something that everyone would love to hear. Something I've never even heard. Be awesome. Well, well, you know, one of my favorite stories is uh, <clears throat> the um, Florida had this guy named Christian Dreyer, which was before your time. And he came over from um, overseas and he was supposed to be the next great, I mean, the man of Ginobili. I mean, that's how good he was supposed to be. And he wasn't that good. He was okay. Every once in a while, he'd play really well, and uh, but but not consistently. And his second year, in fact, I remember when they played Michigan State in the second round down in Tampa and got just destroyed. Hmm. And um, he played awful. Pete uh, Roberson played awful. Didn't make a shot the whole game. But anyway, they come back. They're going to another – Typical Billy team. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament and they're going to Georgia. And all of a sudden, we get the news Christian Dreyer's gone. But what do you mean, gone? He left. What do you mean, he left? He got a deal overseas. He left the team. And, and we're like, wait a minute. You don't do, nobody does that. You wait till the end of the year. Yeah. And Billy told me, one day he said he still doesn't he calls all the time wants to see how billy's doing see how the team's doing he's he still doesn't get it that people are so angry with him for doing that because he he screwed up a, a good season um I, that's when i always remember the fact that he still doesn't get it it's just a different culture i guess you know um uh, and the other was was with billy um when billy was gonna leave and I mean, it was freaky. I, I mean, it was it was depressing for me. Right. I love Billy Donovan so much. So he's going to leave and go to the Magic, and he's has his press conference and everything. So I'm in the uh, I'm in the mall. What's left of the? I mean, back when the mall was thriving. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in the mall and I'm getting ready. We're, my wife and I are at Ruby Tuesdays. And we're eating and some guy recognized me and he comes up and he goes, hey, he goes, I just saw Chip Howard out in walking the mall and he said into his phone, Billy's coming back. And I'm like, what? So I, I race out into the mall and I'm running up and down the, 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 all the, by all these shops trying to find Chip Howard. Uh, I, I guess he had escaped out the side door. So I'm trying to find him to see if that's true or not. I'm freaking out. And now I'm calling Larry Shiat, and Larry Shiat won't answer his phone. Billy, of course, won't answer his phone. Nobody will talk for three oh, days. Man. And for three days, we don't know what is really going on. And that, uh, and I, if I just could have gotten Chip Howard, if I just overheard his phone call, um, you know, it would have been something. If I had just had a chance to talk to Anthony Grant, because Jeremy flew up there and didn't get off the plane. Right. 
because Christine called him and said, don't get off the plane. Billy's changed his mind. That to me was the most crazy story. But what happened with that story that was, it was that Billy really caught a lot of flack. A lot of people didn't like it. And if you remember down in um, some, I think it was Fort Myers, they were having a, a the baseball team was uh, having doing a promotion and it was flip-flop night in honor of Billy Donovan. Oh, yeah. And he did not like that. I mean, he did not like the way people seemed to turn on him. And he changed after that. Now, he, our relationship stayed really good, but it wasn't as good. I will be honest with you. Um, it kind of didn't get – it kind of got a little bit tougher to deal with him and tougher to get time with him after that because I think it scarred him yeah. a little bit. But And I, and I really think your team – pulled him back out of that where he was he he loved talking about you guys so much and that streak that that you guys went on and I could pull him to the side during interviews and still talk to him and I'll I'll tell you one more story if you yeah absolutely yeah one of my favorite Billy Donovan stories is um we and by the way Billy Donovan calls my dad on his birthday every every year and that that's one reason I love that guy so much. And my dad, he loves talking to my dad. Um, so so Florida wins the SEC championship, tournament championship. This would have been 06. Okay, now they'd won it the year before. So it was two in a row when they never won it. And every question in the press conference is about the NCAA tournament, you know, yeah, you won this, but you guys never do anything in the tournament anymore. They were on the run of five straight years of being out in the first weekend. And um, they'd won the game on a on a last-second putback by, by Joe Kim, and then he blocked the shot on the other end. So, um, you know, they all they do is ask questions. And I'm like, is anybody going to ask about the game, how they won the game? And, you know, you, in a press conference situation, sometimes you can't get your question answered and everything. And finally, um, Billy, we're walking out. Billy grabs me and goes, Dules, come here. And he pulls me into the hallway. And he goes, do you want to do anything right about the game that we just won the SEC championship? I go, yeah, I do. He goes, all right, let's talk. And we sit and talk for like a half an hour about the play, how they devised the play, to have Corey throw it up on the glass and let Joe Kim go, go get it and all this stuff. And how, when Joe Kim came and ran and hugged him after they won it, he was having back problems. He was oh, like, my man. back, Joe. I mean, all this great stuff. <laughs> and all these guys are writing about is how Florida can't win in the NCAA oh, tournament. Gosh. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just write about what happened instead of what may the happen. Moment. That was typical Billy to say, Dules, come on, let's go, let's go talk about what's really important. I can't believe that. It's like, yeah, like, can we can we enjoy the present moment, the accomplishment that we just did? And, you know, maybe tomorrow we can talk about the tournament. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, they all went on to win the whole thing that year. So that was even better. So I got you for a, a few more minutes. Um, I want to talk about the current atmosphere of sport. You You already alluded to it a little bit. Such a strange time. I mean, in the midst of this it pandemic, is. even even though there's a you know the vaccine to to help this all is is right around the corner for it being distributed. College sports and sports in general has changed so much. The since since 2010, I would say, since social media and and um, players having more access to their voices and being able to get it out there more, and and then also now the player likeness um, and their imaging being paid for that. You know, what do you think this we're headed with, uh, with sports and, it, and it, as far as um, players being more, more advocates on, on things they stand up for, where, you know, where do you think the atmosphere of sports, the direction that we're headed to is? Well, it's really, it's been an interesting year, even though it's not been the most fun um, in terms of the pandemic and, um, certainly, uh, it's great to see the players, uh, use their voices, you know, and Scotty, Mil- Scotty Lewis has been uh, the leader here. Uh, you know, he kneeled at the, after, before the first game, which I, I keep telling people that, you know, he says, our, 
our forefathers fought a war to, for that flag. And I go, yeah, they also fought a war to have freedom to do that. Exactly. To have, to be, to be allowed to express your opinion. You know, you can't decide what their opinion is. So right. I, I have strong feelings about that, but um, you know, I think it's great that guys are, are, are able to do that. Um, and, and I know a lot of people say, well, that's why the NBA ratings weren't that great is because uh, Black Lives Matter was on the floor and everything. Goes, the, the ratings weren't great because, A, we all knew who was going to win. And, B, <laughs> there were no fans in the stands. And they were playing in Orlando. It wasn't what we're used to. We didn't – nobody – you know, I'm sure the ratings for baseball were down too because of the situation. And plus, when the Braves got beat, I quit watching it. Um, but, I, you know, it is a weird time to be covering sports. And even though it's probably a good time to retire in terms of the pandemic and what we're dealing with, because we still – there are times, Patrick, when I sit and go, what are we really doing here? Why are we still playing games? Yeah. Why are we – teams every day are getting um, – quarantined and and can't play games because there's contact tracing and everything and it's all about inventory for the networks and they're all trying to make mon as much money as they can and this is not they're not trying to make money because they're greedy they're trying to make money so they can keep everything going yeah you've seen absolutely. how many sports have been, have been canceled and um the, so i have no problem with them and i'm glad they're playing it's great for me but what it, what it has become is I think we're all realizing we're just watching a TV show now. Right. You know, it was always, it was always true, but it's really true now, you know, without the fans, you know, we're just with, with sometimes the announcers aren't even at the, at the site. We're just watching a TV show yeah. and try to enjoy it and, and be distracted by it. If they can play it great. If they can't, don't get upset. We just try to stay, everybody just try to stay safe and try right. to do the right things. I mean, you've got to even have a, to, to worry that once things go back to normal per se, uh, it's still going to be hard to get people to attend games. You know, there's, there's been such a level of <laughs> comfortability of, oh, I can enjoy this and have people over my house and I don't have to worry about parking and paying so much for concessions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, I can, it's just a different dynamic now. And uh, I wonder how long it's going to take to recover. But yeah, like you said, Gonzaga has to, can has to cancel their next four games. And they're yeah. number one team in the country right now. You know, how is that going to work out being the number one team and you're missing games? And I'm not sure if they are they going to be able to practice. And I, I yeah, can't even Ohio imagine. State, hmm? Ohio State in football, everybody's saying, I don't know if they're going to be able to even be eligible if Michigan can't play next week. Um, they're trying to manipulate it so they can get enough games to get to be eligible for the for the uh, championship. But it's just crazy. It's crazy as you can possibly imagine. I don't think any of us thought. I, you know, I was at the SEC tournament, Patrick, when um, and I saw watched the first game, and I knew there's this thing was going on with this coronavirus and everything. But I'm still there. I'm watching the first game, and I come in at halftime or at the end of the game. And everybody says, and everybody's talking, and they go, they're not going to play the rest of this tournament. I go, really? And I'm like, so they didn't. And I'm like, have to get back on a plane, which I was not happy about, and go home. But at the time, I'm thinking, well, I'll just play a lot of golf. You know, I'll figure out some way to get through it. I never dreamed we would be dealing with what we've, we've had to deal with. But um, you have to. I don't know what it's like over there in Greece. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult, man. You know, I'm, you know, I've had some injuries these last few years and I'm uh, turning the corner here this last month and I need to get some more time on the court, but we're in the middle of a lockdown and the only gyms available are for, you know, one with the former team I played for Olympiacos and the others with uh, Panathinaikos because the government has even shut down uh, your ability to go to a court on the outside, you know, outside court. So, um, really it's yeah it's difficult you know I'm, I'm training I'm feeling I'm, I'm ready to play I'm ready to you know get some old good old hook shots up <laughs> middle, hooks to the middle some duck ends but uh, just praying for an opportunity to uh, to get out here I'm, I'm so thankful through this podcast I've been able to explore some more talents and um, you know I, I, I 
the, the interview I had with Jeremy Foley the other day, uh, the commissioner, uh, Greg Sankey heard it and he's interested in me possibly doing some work with the SEC network in the future. Uh, I'm not ready to turn that corner yet. Uh, I don't think so. I want to be, you know, very clear on that, but, uh, I'm just thankful for the moment. Like I said, um, I've got a chance to just do a lot of things. I actually, look at this. Look at what I started. I just got this um, two days ago. You're gonna, you're gonna appreciate this. Got me, a, got me a bass guitar. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you play bass, and I'll play lead, and then we go. Here we go. We'll start a band. Can, you, can you sing a little bit? I can't sing a lick. I got you. I got. I don't know how many guys sing while playing bass, but. You know, I would have. Uh, uh, there's a few. Paul McCartney. There you go. Okay. There you go. Call me uh, Patrick Paul Young. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So have you, uh, how much have you, have, you, have you done a good job of learning? You know, Kelsey wanted to, to get a bass. I've just started about uh, two days ago, and I'm like, I'm addicted. Like, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to just go lesson by lesson and just keep playing. Like, my fingers are getting getting irritated, and I'm like, I don't care. This is. It's too much fun. I'm so mad I didn't pick well, it up. Well, that's how you got to do. You got to build the calluses up. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the goal. But you know, the funny thing is when you, um, in, in the world we live in now, like in the old days, I would, you have to go to a teacher to figure out how to play. Yeah. Now all you do is you go on the internet. You see all the chords for every song. I mean, I, I look at a song, I, I hear a song, I go, man, let me look at the chords. I, that sounds like I could play it. And I'll look at the chords, and there's like two chords that I can't play because I'm my fingers are small. Okay. And I got after. Let me go to the next song. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, I'm a I'm really addicted to this. But Pat, I'm hoping that we can uh get on the golf course when I get back. Together. Jam. Let's uh get back <laughs> on the golf course. It'll be even better. If yeah. We can jam together. I'm uh really thankful for your time. I wish we had more to get into. Um, really hope that this season is going to finish up i'm thankful um to have the chance to get to know you over this time and your family and just uh uh getting a chance to spend some time with you and just to, to know how awesome of a man you are and um i can't wait to see you again and i'm talking yeah to me you. too man i, I we need uh, the, you made my uh tailgate for the auburn football game the other day or not the other day that was a long time ago a year ago walking by <laughs> yeah, walking by, and next thing you know, everybody's like, "You know Patrick Young? Of course, I know Patrick Young. <laughs> he knows me. That's yeah, a bigger deal." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, that's an episode of Patrick Young and the Rowdies with my man Pat Dooley, Gator Nation, and everywhere in the world, they rowdy.